Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. While the rest of the country begins to unlock, Leicester goes into reverse. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. As the UK begins to ease its way out of the lockdown, the plan has long been to reimpose measures on a local level. And Leicester became the first part of the country to take a few steps backwards when Health Secretary Matt Hancock made this announcement on Monday. In the growing outbreak in Leicester, we cannot recommend that the easing of the national lockdown set to take place on the 4th of July happens in Leicester. Shops shut on Tuesday, schools will follow suit on Thursday, pubs and restaurants are to remain closed as the rest of the country has the option of eating out again from Saturday. The government also recommends against all but essential travel to, from and within Leicester. The city's been singled out because it has the highest infection rate in England. Currently, it's seeing 135 cases per 100,000 people. According to Public Health England, that's three times that of the next highest city. And Matt Hancock confirmed it accounts for 10% of all positive cases across the country. The health secretary said extra testing in Leicester had revealed a surge in virus cases among children. Leicester's mayor, Sir Peter Salisbury, was quick to express his worry. I'm very, very concerned, obviously, about the impact on the well-being of the city in general and the health of the people in the city, but also about the economy of the city. To discuss why the city's seeing dangerous levels of the virus and whether what's happening in Leicester might eventually happen in other parts of the country, I spoke to The Telegraph's global health security editor, Paul Nuki and chief reporter, Robert Mendick. Paul started by telling me that the UK isn't alone in implementing local lockdowns. The, the most recent one is in Germany, uh, but we saw one in Beijing recently. There have been uh, cases in uh, Singapore and South Korea. Uh, and the principle is 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 pretty basic that you you first of all have good surveillance to spot a spike in cases, and then you quickly move to trace those cases and break the uh, transmission chains, and then you close the places down a bit so that what transmission chains remain can't spill out into uh, the broader nation. Okay, so it's the first local lockdown in England, but there's certainly nothing novel about it around the world. Um, there were reports that the Leicester outbreak started in food processing sites and it then it spread through clothes factories. But Rob Mendick, the factory in question, say that's not the case? The factory that was pinpointed was vehemently denied it and 
public health officials on the ground are saying there wasn't a single smoking gun for this one. They say that it's a, an amalgamation, it's a sort of perfect storm of, of problems. And I, d- I wonder if their communication has got through to the right people. I think there's issues with things like textile factories, food manufacturing plants. Um, I think there's probably a lot of youths who are out and about in the parks, which, again, not unique to Leicester. But I think there's also a lot of multi-generational households, which which would be a thing that Leicester has a bigger issue with, where, it, you know, so you have potentially youths bringing it back into households and spreading it through 10, 12 people in a house. There's been criticism of this local lockdown, um, firstly from Carl Hennigan, who's director of Oxford's Oxford University's Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine. He called local lockdowns unsustainable. And as with many parts of the uh, nationwide lockdown, there's been criticism that the rules are confusing and that, that there are loopholes. I mean, you could go to a pub just streets away from one that's now not going to open on July the 4th. Rob, do you think criticism like this and the idea that um, the rules are confusing is inevitable? Certainly confusing. I don't know whether it's inevitable, but part of the problem with locking down a whole city as opposed to a factory or or a premises is inevitably you're going to have to draw up a boundary. And the, the maps we're seeing today, even those weren't drawn up last night. And I've seen two versions at least of the current boundary map for within this new lockdown. So you could be a business in it, you could be a business out of it, you could be a pub next to a pub that, that, that that's carrying on. So uh, it's absolutely baffling, I think. I mean, if you live in Leicester, are you now like the rest of the country on July the 4th? Um, currently, I don't think you can, but it's not clear. Uh, so how you police that and the police are being asked to intervene, is, is the police tell me they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Paul, do you share Rob's confusion? Um, I, I understand it, but I think we rather look for too literal or too binary answers in, in this whole pandemic. You know, I think if one has to lock down a, a location, certainly a city, there's inevitably going to be some fuzziness uh, around the edges, uh, just as there's fuzziness and um, apparent uh, contradiction in some of the the broader lockdown rules. I I just think it's a fact of life in a pandemic. The logic behind all rules is not going to be clear to everyone, and and we need to live with that. I think it's also important to remember that, you know, the, the authorities putting in place these rules, you know, they're not really thinking about, how Mrs. Smith on the boundary of X and Y feels about it. Uh, they're looking at much bigger numbers and how to uh, how to control it uh, from a population perspective. Do you think some of the confusion as well has come uh, alongside the the kind of muddled comms over the weekend? I mean, Paul, you wrote in today's Telegraph that anyone scanning the news over the weekend could be forgiven for wondering if Leicester was about to be sealed off with tanks. You heard it here first, Leicester is not about to be sealed off with tanks. What do you think the communication around how Number 10 has dealt with this localised Leicester outbreak tells us about how this crisis is being handled more generally? There's no doubt that the communication in the build-up to this was handled very poorly. You had uh, different politicians giving slightly different messages I think there's quite a strong argument to say they should have acted uh, with a single message uh, much sooner. Uh, On the other hand, I guess you can forgive them a bit. It's Britain's first local lockdown. The whole notion of local lockdowns 
has political sensitivity, especially since this is a, a well a Midlands seat, uh, you know, part of the uh, the government's new uh, area to treat well. <laughs> so I, I I can understand it a bit, but it was treated poorly, uh, and I think they would be uh, the politicians would be much better advised to hand over these decisions and perhaps even the announcements of them to um, Chris Whitty and the um, the public health professionals. That announcement did come from Matt Hancock in the House of Commons on Monday evening, as you say. It's our jobs to be on top of stories like this. So you were both waiting, I was waiting for the announcement on Leicester. Rob, is it fair to say that it came quite a bit later than we were expecting? And, and how much of an issue is that? I think there's a big issue about why it took 11, 12 days to get to lockdown from Matt Hancock first making clear, making public that this spike existed and that that looks problematic. I think that it looks to me like there's at least from our intelligence and information on this, at least five to six to seven days wasted where there was bickering behind the scenes between the local authority and the government over what they should do and what it all meant and getting hold of the data. Um, and the Prime Minister has a whack-a-mole strategy, which is all based on fast reflexes and fast fast action. And it, this feels a bit slow to us, or to me anyway. Yeah, I'd agree. We've, we've agreed on something. <laughs> Finally, we've agreed. <laughs> Paul, do you think that local lockdowns like this are going to be something that we're going to see more of in Britain over the, few month, over the next few months, um, and that Leicester's being used as a, a little bit of a slow guinea pig? Uh, I'm not sure it's being used as a, a guinea pig, but um, I certainly think we'll be seeing more and more lockdowns like this over the next few months. Uh, and I think that how well we deal with them, uh, how quickly we deal with them and how thoroughly we deal with them will really define uh, how well we do in the rest of the pandemic. Um I'm actually faintly hopeful. I think we got off to a very bad start in this pandemic. Um, but I think that the infrastructure, the testing infrastructure, the contact and trace infrastructure uh, has now been uh, built up again uh, by Public Health England. It's by no means perfect, but I think we do have uh, an infrastructure there now. And with luck, we'll see it improve uh, and become better and better as the pandemic carries on. But I, I think we can see this right the way through until next spring, at least. Well, that's a good point, isn't it? Because if our strategy were foolproof already, it wouldn't get to this point, would it, Rob? I mean, what, what worries me is that I think test, test and Trace should have picked this up and should have been able to deal with this before Leicester had to go into a full lockdown. And what would worry me is that, you know, these cases should have been identified, traced, tracked, and the people told to self-isolate. And something hasn't happened in the sort of, in the time that Test and Trace is supposed to have been up and running. That, that hasn't dealt with Leicester for some reason, whether that was a language barrier issue, the calls weren't being made, people weren't listening, but something's gone wrong with Test and Trace, funnily enough, I think, that should nip in, the, that, that should stop this kind of sc huge scale lockdown. I don't know what Paul thinks about that. I think that, you know, this has been emerging over the last three weeks, which is the same three weeks that Test and Trace has only just got going. Uh, so I, I, I'm... I'm sure that you're right in the sense that Test and Trace hasn't really got a grip on this one. Um, I think where I'm a bit more positive is if you if you look forward a month or two, you would expect the capacity of that system to grow, uh, catch the next one quicker, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, and I mean, the other thing I think that is problematic is just the tests themselves. We've not got to a position yet in Britain where we're really doing enough tests and we're certainly not turning them around quick enough. It seems to me that you, you need to get to a position that almost everyone in society is being tested pretty regularly if you really want to. Mm, yeah, which, which is interesting about completely. the schools issue, which you raised earlier, um, that the this high incidence or unusually high incidence of test positive tests coming out of under 18s and coming out of school makes me wonder, Paul may know this better too, because he's more expert, but it makes me wonder that this isn't underlying across the country <laughs> and we're only picking it up Gosh. in Leicester because of mass testing that's being done on the ground. I don't know what, what we make of that. My guess is that it's got rather less to do with the schools themselves uh, and more uh, multi-generational households uh, and uh, a sudden jump in testing of younger people. Uh, I, I don't think that the evidence for children uh, is likely to change very much. I mean, there are quite a lot of schools open now uh, across the world, and although there have been some outbreaks in schools, it's pretty limited. Uh, and certainly we know that children uh, don't get severe disease very often, and they probably, young children anyway, uh, are probably much lower transmitters of the disease. My final question is, um, Paul, you might know uh, more about this. Paul, um, Paul knows more about everything. We should make that, we well, should make you that might absolutely well know clear. About this. <laughs> I'll tell you what I don't know about this and I would like to know. One part of infrastructure that is required in these localised lockdowns is a level of transparency amongst local public health officials. Certainly the mayor of Leicester said that he wasn't, he didn't feel up to speed on this, certainly um, not before Matt Hancock gave his announcement in, in the Commons last night. Is the UK equipped for this? Do we have the level of local transparency amongst health officials that we need? I think that there is a real problem with the sharing of the data from the centre to local health authorities. I don't think there can be any doubt about that. Um, local authorities are kicking off about it right around the country and have been for some time. I'm not sure actually the problem is with PHE itself. Uh, there seems to be some evidence that the government was certainly at the outset instructing PSE that it mustn't share data. It's, uh, it's not very clear clear what the motivation for that was, but it's it's pretty clear that it's been happening, according to a report by Reuters today. And it, it is quite contrasting uh, when you look at other nations. I mean, there are plenty of other nations where all their cases, right down to a sort of postal sector level, uh, are posted on a website in real time every day. Local officials can and so can people who live on those streets. Uh, and it seems to me that if we want a, a fast and reactive system, uh, that that's what we need to be doing here. I mean, there may be some jobs worthy and objections around data protection rules and the rest of it. But I mean, we have suspended so many other uh, liberties uh, in this. I can't see that uh, data protection rules uh, really explain this uh, uh, a lack of transparency. The rest of the coronavirus latest news.
The government will plough £5 billion into schools, roads, hospitals and other infrastructure projects as the Prime Minister looks to bring the country out of the coronavirus-induced recession. Boris Johnson stressed his instincts were to cut taxes wherever possible, but said the generational challenge the UK now faces has to be dealt with through investment. The number of people dying across the UK has fallen back to average levels for the first time since the start of the epidemic. According to the Office for National Statistics, the number of weekly deaths has now returned to the level expected for the time of year. Of the 10,500 deaths registered in the week to the 19th of June, 849 mentioned coronavirus. That's the lowest number of deaths with the virus registered since the week lockdown was announced. Over 43,000 people have now died after testing positive with the virus across the country. Australia, Canada and Japan are among 14 countries whose citizens are allowed to visit the EU from the 1st of July. The list of countries revealed by the bloc doesn't include the US, China or Brazil. People from the UK are treated as EU citizens until the end of the Brexit transition period on the 31st of December. But the Foreign Office still advises against travel and anyone arriving in the UK still has to quarantine for two weeks. As always, you can read more on any of those stories by following the links in the episode description. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Friday with your next podcast. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with all of our coronavirus coverage and much more completely free for 30 days. Find that offer at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.